Good evening. Some weeks ago, we invited you to join us on the bus to Coleraine. Many of you did, and we gather enjoyed the trip. Now, again with the cooperation of CIE, we're asking you to come a little further afield in the express bus, which leaves Dublin every day and proceeds via ferry from Belfast toward Rossen, all the way to Glasgow. Our cast is, as last time, with two changes. Bill Meek was unable to travel, and instead of Sean O'Buil, who accompanied us from Armagh to Coleraine, this time we're joined at Belfast by our Scottish guide and philosopher, Hamish Henderson. We made the trip just over a fortnight ago, and uh, at first we followed the same road as we travelled to Coleraine via Finglas, Ashburn, Slane and Collin, where we branched off. So we actually ask you to join us in County Louth as we approach Dunlear. Proceeding now, you see, we, we, we're proceeding um, northeast, are we? Yes. Northeast. Northeast. Uh, we're about to join the main Drogheda Dundalk Road quite soon. Yes. As uh, we approach the village of Dunlear. Actually, we're just joining it now. Oh, yes. This is. Oh, yes. This is the road uh, we would have been on if we'd come up the uh, the more conventional yes. way. Yes. Yes. We we touch the main road here about Dunlear, and uh, Dunlear, of course, one associates quite recently with Father Larry Murray who founded the college in Ranafast after having failed. He was was parish priest there, and uh, in fact, the local people um, set up a a sports ground in his memory, the Larry Murray uh, Memorial Park. And Tyrone Murray was a great uh, and seminal figure in the Gaelic uh, revival in this part of the world, and of course, uh, we'll be going near the last of the Guelph of the areas of East Ulster around Omeath, well, uh, uh, which will be coming to it shortly. As you know, he, uh, he attempted, first of all, to establish the college there, in the Cooley yes. Peninsula, but the Irish had just died yes. too much. And it, it well, it was still there when he started. I suppose there are oh, memories of it still. Oh, well, I mean, I, well, when we get to that point, we, uh, we, we can have a word about that. We're just coming into Dunlear Lanlera. Lanlera, in fact, was the, uh, the name of a very... Uh, of an early uh, monastic foundation here, and it is, to my knowledge, the only example of the use of the word lan, the Celtic word lan, which of course uh, you find all over Wales in uh, lan, in the form of lan, lan did not, lan Tony and so on, um, which means basically an enclosure and then a monastic enclosure. Uh, it's the only example that I know of in an Irish place name. Uh, we usually find it in Irish as a suffix in words like laurelin and so on, meaning an enclosure for books. But uh, I see other people don't want to cut in on my yeah. uh, This was once a very important town. It had the right to elect what was called a sovereign, S-O-V-R-A-N. And it had the right to elect a couple of people to the Irish House of Commons. John Foster, whom we talked it was about. A, was, it, was it an incorporated town, uh, Dunlear? Yes, it was a corporate town, yes. 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 It just occurs to me that John Foster was a John Foster's uh, anti-union attitude that even more influenced the um, two Catholic archbishops, of the, or the Bishop Moylan and Archbishop uh, Troy, to um, go for the union. Because Foster, while being anti-union, had such a tremendous reputation for staunch bigotry that he, the Catholic body could not possibly go with anything that he defended. 
That's an interesting sight, Lout. Yeah. While on Archbishops, there's a famous Church of Ireland, Protestant Archbishop associated with Dunlear, Primate Robinson, one of the famous primates of Armagh, who endowed that town with such beauty. He had a great house just over to the left there, Rokeby Hall. He became Lord Rokeby, yeah. and this is one of the great Francis Johnson houses. I knew that the name Francis Johnson would be mentioned very soon. Yeah. Yes. Well, <laughs> we're passing through the Francis Johnson country to that extent at the moment. Rokeby Hall is a house still in very fine condition with a central rotunda, and it is one of the best. That's it over there, over to the left. And you mm -hmm. also see the spire of the church there, Bally McKenney Church, which is one of Johnson's first Gothic churches. There was another one in this area too called Clonmore. It's now in ruins, but Bally McKenney is still there and is a very interesting Church of Ireland church. Uh, Johnson was a pupil, as uh, I have remarked before, of Cooley, who tended to be rather a pattern maker in the way of churches. Oh, yes. I think I described to you his catalogue in yes. the library in our man, Private Robinson. Well, yes. You'll see the difference between uh, the inventiveness of Johnson by comparison with Cooley. When you look at Bally McKenney Church, here was a man before the Gothic revival, shall we say, doing very interesting things with Gothic, as you can see in this rather plain church at Bally McKenney. Uh, ben, you were saying? Well, no, I was just seeing, enjoying our first view of, of both the Cooley Hills and the peaks of the Mourns tipping up beyond them. I always live to love this ridge as you go north when you can look ahead right into Ulster here. Yes, we are indeed, as we were when we were around Armagh, we're approaching very, very historic Irish ground indeed, and uh, uh, the country of the epics is just a little north of us here. Yes. Isn't this bridge here, is this the Fane River? I frequently get mixed up between the Dee and the Fane. Uh, the Fane is the one that, that uh, Carlton, I'm sorry to mention this, uh, idled along on his way to Dublin and his, as a boy and taught school for some time back here along the Fane Valley. The Dee and the Glide uh, meet at Anigassen, actually, down on the shore. I think that probably is the Fane, so we'll meet the Dee. We've also passed, by the way, at Clare Castle, where there's a fine keep, and it's on the White River and it was a fortified residence, and you can still see very fine evidence of that on, on in the castle. Well, we're now approaching Dundalk. We uh, left there the pretty little village of Castle Bellingham behind us. I, I call locally Castle, Castle Belling Bellingham. Castle yeah. Bellingham, I think. Who are the Bellinghams or Bellinghams, Sean? Do you know? uh, well, I know there was a Sir Thomas Bellingham who was a guide for William of Orange throughout his campaign. I see. And I presume yeah. as a result of this he got the estate. Yeah, well, the, nobody's perfect, I suppose. The, the castle now uh, is a, really an 18th century ma mansion built on the site of Sir Thomas Bellingham's house, which was burned down by the Jacobite troops. Mm. It's a rather fine 18th century house that was castellated in the 19th century and is now a hotel. Very interesting river walks there and a nice little mill down beside it. It's a very pretty and place. There's a great collection of yew trees too in by around the castle. Ah. But I see uh, just as from the height of the bus, one of the advantages of travelling by bus as I've seen from this road for the first time, Dundalk Bay. And there were a few naval battles fought here. Ah. One of them was against the Norse in which uh, Martha of the Leather Cloaks uh, beat the Norse. And you know how he got the name of the Leather Cloaks. Oh. He, he got his army travelling through Ireland, one of the very first to do this in the winter, and to equip them he put leather cloaks. No doubt if he was alive today, 
he'd be a dress designer using some leather materials. I should say that Dune Galligan, Dune Galligan was the um, was the actual uh, the, the area. Uh, I don't know where the actual Dune was, but historically, uh, the name Dune Galligan wasn't applied to the village or, as it was, and then to the town as it became a town. Uh, it, it was known traditionally and was until very recently as Thrajvalia and Thrajvalia uh, uh, as distinct from the Thrajvalia which was the sea town and they, they, they still speak of sea town here of course the yes? Dune or Fort of Dalga is yes. just to the west of the town actually ah, yes, yes. and it's now called Castletown Hill mm. and it was the fortress of Cuhullion yes uh, uh, well since we are on the, on the um, way to Scotland it is interesting that I suppose the Bruce effort to reach Dublin terminated here at the oh, Battle of, of Fawcett. Edward Bruce. Everyone yeah, forgot about that. And the, um, Wasn't he a crowned? Yeah, or a crowned here. Yeah. yeah, the point was, was it in fact, as has been recently held, uh, an attempt at a sort of a very early pan-Celticism, or at least the last effort of pan-Celticism? Well, I think it was more that the uh, Irish were in dire straits in their attack, and they wanted a figurehead, and Bruce was the obvious man, since his brother was so successful here. It's interesting, by the way, that he was killed on the Battle of Fort Hung in the balance until Bruce himself was killed. And he was killed by a man named John Mopas of uh, Drogheda, who, uh, whom he killed in turn. And uh, traditionally, he's buried on the top of the hill in, under a cairn, a stone. Yeah, there's a rather remarkable thing about Dundalk. It is a very old town, as we know. Uh, and uh, it takes its corporate existence from the time of Prince John in the 12th century, but there's very few medieval remains. And probably the reason for this is yes. that it was so often burned and plundered. I mean, there was not only Bruce, but in fact the O'Neills plundered it uh, in uh, the 15th century, Red Hugh O'Donnell plundered it, so it was constantly burned and plundered, apart from the time it was attacked during the uh, Elizabethan wars. So there's almost nothing left except one tower and some remains behind St. Nicholas's Church of the 13th century parish church. I mean, it's, this is as old a town as Kilkenny, for example. But it doesn't look it. Doesn't it. Doesn't My happiest memories of the town rest with the famous Tempest of the Dundolgan Press, <coughs> a great printer and publisher, alas, no longer with us. Um, uh, the wonderful work, for instance, that he did in, on Eston Evans's book on the Mourn Country, Indeed, which is yes. a classic in its kind, and for many, many other books too. Well, indeed, Dundalk uh, can claim to have had many men of that kind in our own time who uh, maintained Dundalk as a centre of culture and the arts in this area. As, you, as Sean was saying, it looks such a new town that you forget its tradition and you forget that it has been always, as it were, one of the mini capitals of Ireland for, a, for, a, for an area of uh, where poetry and the traditional arts flourished. Uh, we are approaching, of course, the Padro Dernin country, the Art Bakui country, the, even the Seamus Dahl Macorta country, yes. and yes, and uh, even the Michael J. Murphy country indeed, at Slagullion yes. Mountain, indeed. a man who indeed in his own person preserves so many of the traditions of this locality. Some of my happiest memories of uh, Dundalk are of evenings spent in the companies of Thomas McQuillanan, or Tommy Hollywood, Frank Nacy, who's editor of the Dundalk Dem Democrat, Princess Agnusa, and these were Irish-speaking evenings with, of course, as the third man of that trinity, Padro Duda, whom we mourn, who so lately died, a great broadcaster, a man of, uh, indeed, of 
a great culture and also man who uh, wrote a tune which very few people indeed he was so successful that I think very few people realize that it's not a traditional tune the tune of the song uh, uh, of um, Padre Odernin's Urknapkin Vikoynte As we're on our way to Scotland it's particularly fitting that we should remember that there's in the St. Nicholas's church here there's a pillar to Robbie Robert Burns and his sister is actually Agnes Galt is actually buried uh, in the church grounds Really? Um, yes, uh, yes. Well, was, had Burden's connections himself over here? Mm. Well, yes. His brother, I think, was um, a customs man in Ireland. And he was he, one of his children was one of the original Todd Burns company who oh, founded the shop yes. in Dublin. Now, and wasn't now. there some connection with Finlaters, too? Yes, Burns himself traditionally is supposed to have worked with Finlater firm in Scotland. Ah, before they came before over. They came over. Yeah. Yes. Could that, uh, that Galt have been any connection of the John Galt Rodanos of the parish, which is quite a 19, early 19th century Scottish classic? Oh, well, easily could, be. Could, uh, it must be some, be some connection. Well, near, uh, we'll submit that question to Hamish Henderson's judgment later. When we, when, we, when we meet him later on. Now, here in Dundalk, by the way, uh, we are going to take time off for a little refreshment. This is the statutory stop. Uh, of the bus to Dasco, uh, the only stop, I think, in fact, uh, not counting uh, the fact that we're actually let off the bus when we get when we go on the on the ferry uh, at Belfast. So now a pause for refreshment, and during it, I think uh, we can uh, uh, listen to uh, Albert Fry singing Padre Darnin's Urkunokin Vicente to the tune. That that grand old Dundalk man, Pather Hoduda, wrote for the Arachthus so many years ago. Thank you. 
so refreshed in spirit by Padro Dernin and Padro Duda and in body by the refreshments we got in Dundalk. We passed through the busy streets of this town uh, and right enough it does look a new town as Sean had said but there are one or two older buildings peering over the corner there. Yes, well the Protestant church of St Nicholas, the end of Crambrassel Street there, uh, really incorporates the history of the town, the remains of a 13th century parish church and a tower dating from the 14th century but drastically remodelled in planter time, 1685, so this is our first planter's gothic tower and of course if you've, uh, Michael Ahern will forgive the phrase, the church was remodelled by Francis Johnson in the 18th century. <laughs> and it's in this church that uh, the um, memorial is to Agnes Galt, Robert Burns' sister. Ah, yes. uh, now, the other church... This is the Dominicans, isn't it? No. 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 I'm sorry, that's the one we're looking at there. This, yes. this is the Dominican church here, yes. yes. Uh, St. Anne. It has a Michael Healy window, the Dominican church. Yes, there's Saint some very good glass in this area. I know Fa Father McKeever's uh, church out in Kilcurrig has some Sarah Purser glass or right, something like glass. Very, I can't remember which is. Well, yes. the, the other one down to the right, St. Patrick's Church, that's the Catholic Church, is a Gothic essay, I suppose the word you would use, uh, by Thomas Duff, ah. who was the first architect of St. Patrick's Cathedral in Armagh. And again, the same line of succession. Uh, it was uh, finished, or rather the interior was finished by J.J. McCarthy, the Irish Pugin, with the high altar in Rairdos. Of course, the courthouse here is a rather yeah, fine building. I've, uh, I've often admired that on the way up. I was going to ask Sean, does he know who the architects are? Yeah, it's a very fine classic exercise, that courthouse. Edward Park is the architect, actually, and the supervisor was the Dublin architect, John Bowden. Uh, mm -hmm. Very fine Doric portico, and he, they actually took it. It's a textbook example from the Temple of Theseus in Athens, and it was taken by uh, Park out of Stuart's Antiquities of Athens, one of the early Neo-Greek books. By the way, would you agree, Sean, Irish courthouses are very fine in general? You know, the one in Carlo and the one in Tralee. Uh, very fine, and they're, they're mostly the work of one family, Richard Morrison, yeah, I was just whose to say son, that, of yeah. course, enjoyed the marvellous name of William Vitruvius Morrison. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just occurred to me that we passed the uh, turn right to Bally, yeah. down to Carlingford was before us, the hill of the uh, wooded hump to the right is above Bally Scanlon, and um, I was never so much impressed by the beauties of the Cooley Peninsula as quite recently I brought a very open air man, a man from Atlanta, Georgia, around the Cooley Peninsula, we so happened to be passing going north, and he said, what's over there? And I said, come and see. And he was tremendously impressed, first of all, by the loneliness of the hills in, in the centre of the peninsula, then by all the old Norman antiquities and the sort of sleeping grandeurs of Carlingford. Yes. And by the flagstaff, of course, looking down on the, the flagstaff on Feather and in yeah, Gaelic. Yes. The lone, woman's, the lone grave, woman's grave. And all this lovely country up here, culminating in what we referred to earlier, the Omeath, Gaeltox, uh, to the west of us here is... We're approaching, in fact, uh, Omeath itself. Omeath itself, yes. And indeed, Seamus Akmaruku, Seamus Murphy, the rapparee. And a rather uh, sort of interesting thing here, Ravensdale, just into the right, must yes. be perhaps the most beautiful suburb in the world. Uh, I don't know if, you see, passing on the main road, one never looks in there. But it's just a little lost village in, in the trees where Edie Blockham, in fact, lived. Indeed. Who with a few faults, combined many scholarly virtues, and who had a great interest in this and, country. And, a de and indeed a passionate a love for passionate this love part for of Ireland. From Redmond O'Hanlon to yes. the ancient poets. Indeed he had, and I myself have a very uh, fond memory of 
uh, Omeath because here, not so very long ago, merely about 15 years ago, I had a, a wonderful evening in the company of Anna Banianlu and Anna Kitty Hain, who was undoubtedly, I think, the last full native speaker of the Irish of East Ulster and who died only a little while ago, I think the year before last, uh, just uh, at, the, at the age of 99. If she'd lived till the 12th of July, she'd have reached the 100. border country coming up to Newry and in fact coming through the historic Gap of the North I think Ben. Yes uh, so Stan Clark would say galloping into the Gap of the North. To the left is Sl- Slivgullion or Slagullion as the local people allied it. And it's certainly a very beautiful bit of country. It's a lovely country. Well, I'm, glad to, yeah, I'm glad to see that they've retained many of the original hedgerows here and I want to make my annual appeal here to county engineers particularly in the west of Ireland where they're inclined to just to build the road straight and get cement postings all along the way without growing anything. But here, at least, they have retained a lot of the original foliage and it does lend a variety to the road and it's helpful, I think, not alone to the beauty of the place but to the motorist who's travelling it, that there is this variety. Now, below us down there... ...is your control, your return, and the... the uh... The road, I mean, has, they have preserved the approach of the old road, which drops so steeply down into Newry. Well, I suppose the best view of Newry you get is in a way from the railway, but this descent is really tremendous. Yes. You're almost on a level with Flagstaff now, and then you drop suddenly right down to the yew tree at the head of the Strand, as I suppose the name. And right to the right you see the break of the Morns surfacing above the ridge of the land, too. It's a, quite a wonderful prospect, and I suppose one of the best approaches into a town in Ireland. Newry and Clonmel might have the two of the best, I think. Yes, Clonmel certainly is quite dramatic, uh, but this I have often, always felt this coming in on by the train. It never fails when you're coming by train to to, to, yeah, get to that see little... it under snow in in yes. winter. And there's somewhere in Sean of Whalon's book, The Great O'Neill, there's a tremendous description of O'Neill riding and looking down on the Newry. And it is interesting that O'Neill rode through Newry um, on many occasions, but on one very auspicious occasion, when he had Shanghai kidnapped or whatever it was he did with Bagnall's sister, he rode right through this town on the line that would now be the old Newry town up above the main street, so that O'Neill took his bride in custody, so to speak, through this town. How old is the town? Is it, an, is it a modern, I mean, modern in the, the town as we well, know no, it? It's, it's a Norman town, John de Courcy, 12th century, built a castle here. And, of course, the Yorkian throw would suggest that it was a village before that. Oh, yes. A Celtic village. Yes. Oh, that there was a settlement here, there's settlement, no doubt. Yeah, yes. actually, I was just wondering about the town itself. Newry yeah. Town has a number of Irish firsts, and I think one of the most notable ones is that the first Protestant church ever built in Ireland. What do you mean by the first Protestant church? The first church? built as a Protestant church. Well, 1575, Nicholas Bagnall built the first Protestant church in Ireland oh, in Newry Town. Oh, the first town. place of worship, I mean, after the Reformation. After the Reformation. And, and consciously in the Reformation. And the tower of it still remains here. It was built, it was burned, actually, uh, before, uh, by the retreating Jacobite army, but uh, the tower still remains, and there is a... Uh, tomb with Bagnell's arms on it from 
1587 there. The other first, of course, is the Newry Canal, and I think this is interesting. It was probably the most distinguished, uh, the first major canal built in the British Isles, not just in Ireland, it was the canal linking Newry with Loch Ney. And the first architect of it was the famous Richard Cassell, or Cassells, the builder of Leinster House, now the Doyle, and so many distinguished... Uh, yeah, we're, we're going uh, by the canal now. Passing along I must say canal. it looks rather stagnant. Is, well, it, is it used for any commercial no, purpose now? It isn't now at all. It just brought the um, minerals down from Coal Island. Ah, yes. Uh, for export. For export, yes. Yes, of course. Uh, to the, sea the port of Newry was yes. quite important once. Yes. Uh, Frank Hall, who comes from this town, told me an interesting story about the night that the water ran out of the canal here. There was a small Dutch tramp steamer docked <laughs> along here somewhere, and the crew came home. They'd been rather festive, and they were all drunk, and they went to sleep in the boat and woke up in the morning to find that the boat was on its side, and they on their sides inside the boat, in the mud, just back along where we're passing here. By the way, I see that we're in permissive uh, society here. Uh, I've just passed cinema advertising per se, Certificate X and another certificate X for the mummy's shroud. <laughs> so, yes, may talk about your Pedro Dernings, but culture is still rampant yeah. in some direction or other. Still on the canal, if I may mention, two other names associated with it, and one was uh, Sir Edward Lovett Pierce, who built the Bank of Ireland, one of mm. our first native Irish architects, probably our first, and secondly, that great Sardinian, Davis Ducart. Davis Ducart, who built the Custom House in Limerick and three of the most distinguished country houses in Ireland, first came to Ireland to work on the Newry Ship Canal. What is that lovely house over there, the one with the, the stone facing with, and the green door? That's, there are a number of fine Georgian yeah, houses. Is that just typical, a great, typical Georgian house yeah, of this area? Beautiful, yeah, very beautiful. Sorry, Michael. Uh, just behind us is uh, one of the extraordinary features of the town, the town hall. Yeah. which is in fact built on an island and is one half in Armagh and one half in Down. It's over the water. There's a very fine square too in Newry, although we, we, it's yeah. on the road back, we're more inclined to see that. Yeah. Uh, there's also uh, the Unitarian Church here was the first work of W.J. Barr, uh, the Newry architect. Uh, 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 Non-subscribing Presbyterian Church. Right, yes. Yeah. Uh, he, 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 this, is, this was his first work. He was probably the Ulster Gothic architect, the first Gothic revival architect in Ulster. Done very distinguished buildings in Belfast. And beside this church, of course, uh, John Mitchell is buried yes. in, the, in, in the graveyard of ah, the yes. first Presbyterian church there. As a carryman passing through Nuria, I think I should pay a slight tribute to a great down team that won three All-Ireland Finals and had three of the finest Gaelic footballers I ever saw, O'Neill, Doherty and McCartan. And I remember being here in the town of Newry when they won the All-Ireland Final and brought home the Sam Maguire Cup. And there was a tremendous turnout, a most ecumenical turnout of people who welcomed them. It was a tremendous scene. And also, as you remember, one of the most wonderful things when the Mayor of Belfast yes. welcomed yes. them to the yes. City Hall. The Lord Mayor did indeed, and yes. it was a time, in fact, in the euphoria of that time, one might have indeed fondly, in every sense of the word fondly, mm. hoped that uh, this was a sign of a new coming together of peoples, of communities in the North, that they could... Um, rejoice in the, in this victory by a, an undoubtedly Ulster team in, uh, taking and and that their victory was an All Ireland victory. A man a man in Newry told me that day, although I don't believe it. I need hardly say that he heard on the BBC News that morning 
that Down had won the All-Ireland final, which was true, I had heard this myself, yes. but he, he went on to say that the BBC announcer said, this is the first victory by a team from the British Commonwealth. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think that... Uh, yeah. the, uh, I must stand up for my colleagues, I doubt it. What the His Master's Voice catalogue used to say in the, the uh, note on John McCormick, about his various successes in opera on the continent, they said it was no mean feat for a Briton. Yes, well, I'm, I'm, I have just received here a document from the uh, Tourist Board of Ireland, Board Foilte, uh, asking me as a passenger to fill up various details. And one of the things is, which country were you born in? And among the countries in which one might have been born were two listed as six counties, 26 counties. Down below us, on the right, the shining levels of Loch Brickland itself. Loch Brickland, the Lake of Brickland. Yeah, well, of course, up in this part of the country, I'm sure you'd expect, and uh, so many of the people around here might believe that it's got something to do with the brickworks, and would not expect that, that one of the great moments in our sagas would be centred around this lake, the Feast of Brickland. It is interesting, though, that Brickland was a creator of dissension and disorder and quarrelsomeness, so that perhaps he may have left some of his odd spirit behind him in these flat, green, peaceful fields. Would you think so? Well, it's a thought. Uh, Brickland certainly was a great man for the Asianthus, the Imbrus, which he preferred to the Uignus. Uh, but uh, this does remind us very much, though, of the fact that we are here in the heart of our saga country, as I've said before. And it's, it is, I suppose, again, if we're speaking of the ironies of history, the great and awful irony that in this part of the world men should be of all places trying to obliterate the memories of the past where yes, there's so much to remember with pride and using a name that is of course Irish unaware of the fact that it is yes, so which indeed. is extremely sad Yes. But that was drawn to my attention once by uh, uh, Father Paddy Gallagher and Ramore who said that all children here should just have enough Irish to know something about the place names. He said that the bar of Fintana, the ridge above Fintana, most people thought there had been a public house there once. The bar. Oh, the, the bar. bar. <laughs> the and of bar. course, it was the bar. Yes, of course. The bar. It was the ridge. Yes, the, 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 the top. Yes, indeed. Uh, As Michael, we come into the streets of uh, this Rath, town, Rathbrickland, uh, we shouldn't Rath forget. Rathbrickland, I suppose. We'll agree to call it that yes, forever. That's yes. Uh, here, William III reviewed the troops for allegedly three hours on the way to the Battle of Did the Boyne. But what Scarva is only three miles away. But ah. Before we get on to Scarva, let me say this. I've been noticing on the way up some hitchhikers who look as if they've been reviewing the motor cars passing yes. for upwards of three hours on their way. They don't seem to With be having enough uh, results. Yes, yeah, that's what I feel. I mean, from their weary dejection. As uh, Tom, one I wouldn't it. like that, however, to be taken as a reflection on the uh, hospitality of the North, even no, the well, Northern driver. Of course, it could be Southern well, this drivers is too. This is <laughs> becoming more true. I've picked up hitchhikers myself who have been on the road for a couple of hours, and uh, there was a time when it was very easy to get a lift in Ireland, but there are now so many hitchhikers that uh, it is more, much more difficult to get a lift. Um, this, uh, Brickland itself, when was it built, John, the, the village, or the, the little village? Well, it dates from the 
1585, the gentleman who found it had the marvelous name of Sir Marmaduke Whitechurch. <laughs> and he was the supplier of clothing to the Elizabethan armies. All that crowd did well. Yeah. <laughs> they built a church in Rock Breakland, which was destroyed by the Ulster insurgents in 1641 and was rebuilt again in 1668, the church we just passed there. And by the way, near Rat Brickland, or Lock Brickland is of course the um, cottage of the Prunty family. Perhaps, oh, I think indeed. Michael O'Hearn is the authority there. Well, it's at Balneski, and I've just seen there are still some slight remains of the house where the Reverend Patrick Bronte, the father of the Brontes, uh, are, is... Uh, was born, was born yeah. of course. Well, his father, our grandfather, of course, was a, a man noted and still remembered as a, a, a scholar and scribe in the Irish language, Padraig O'Prunty. It is ironic to think that perhaps the uh, the fay, the talent that expressed itself in Jane Eyre and Wuthering Heights and so forth, might have gone into the making of Gaelic literature. That could have been very interesting indeed. <laughs> well, there is a certain, I suppose, Celtic thing in the Bronte. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Well, the Wuthering Heights. Yes. Of course, we know Celtic. that uh, Charlotte Bronte ended up as a rector's wife in Burr, in County Offaly. She came back? She did, yeah. Do you know I never knew that? One learns something every day, uh, even in the most unexpected quarters. Not now, nothing personal there, I mean... You know, on a bus to Dasco. Oh, yes. I presume you are now aware that we're not we're just near Banbridge Town Aye. in the county down. Banbridge, of course, the bridge over the Ban, built in the eighteenth century, and from that the town gets its name. Uh, but of course indeed, um, this uh, town itself is architecturally very interesting. Yeah, well, one of the very interesting things here is the overpass or underpass, whichever way you take it, which is late 18th century or early 19th century, when the hill in the middle of the town was too high for the coaches to go over, and so there was an underpass built, the top of the hill was taken off, and the uh, the coaches pass under this. It's a, a, a modern urban feature which is reproduced here. Ballina Hinch, just to our right, ten miles away at the moment, uh, naturally reminds one of Henry Monroe, who was possibly the general shortest in his position of any man in military history. He couldn't have been about more than three days uh, between being appointed a general and being hanged at his own door in Lisbon. There's the lovely old ballad, I used to know it, and my melody is wrong and the singing will be dreadful, but I just remember, I think, the first verse of it. My name is George Campbell, my age is 18. I joined the United Men to fight for the Green, and many a danger I did undergo, led on by our hero, bold General Monroe. And yeah, so on, sir. Other good balladists. I say I've murdered the, murdered it's the melody. It's a lovely old yet. ballad. I remember I heard it once first from the singing of Paddy Tunney. Uh, Paddy sings Paddy it extremely sings well. Very well indeed. And no dishonour to yourself, Ben. Uh, we've just emerged from Dromore, a cathedral town, the cathedral town, of course, of the uh, diocese of of Dromore. Um, the uh, in the. The Roman Catholic Cathedral town is Newry, of course, but the Church of Ireland Cathedral is still here, and on, on uh, the site, I think, of a very ancient uh, foundation. Yes, it was the Abbey of St. Colmoin beside the banks of the Lagan. That was the Lagan oh, we right. passed over there, and the famous Abbey of St. Colmoin uh, was replaced uh, in the Reformation by a medieval church, 
which uh, of which the bishop was the famous uh, Elizabethan divine uh, Jeremy Taylor. Yes. And another famous bishop of Dromore, of course, was Thomas Percy of the Reliques, the collect oh, great yes, collector of, of ballads. Yes. And it was he, actually, who built that present cathedral we saw there, that small uh, building, because he was not only bishop of Down and Connor, but he was administrator of Dromore around 1808. Oh, yes, Down and... Uh, no, I think hardly Down and Connor. Connor is separate diocese. Down and Dromore are united, Dramore in, the, united in, the in the Church of Ireland, Ireland. as to whether they were then or not, of course, yeah. I'm not quite sure. Well, Percy, did Percy do any of his actual ballad collecting in Ireland, I wonder? Of course, he worked mostly with manuscripts. He wasn't a collector in the modern not sense. Not in the modern no. sense, no. But he certainly was one of the founding fathers of the whole return to folk song. And, of course, uh, in he, Ireland... He's buried in the cathedral there. Yes. yes. In Ireland, of course, his his um, his equivalent for Irish um, uh, was, was Charlotte, um, Charlotte Brooke. Charlotte it? Brooke, yes. yes. And that whole revival that came in at that period, of yes. course. And that was so active and tremendous in this part of the country, too. And when you think of the link between, say, the around the 98 period of the politicos of the time, a reformist woman like McCracken's sister, McCracken himself, and the McCracken household offering such hospitality to Bunting, this uh, phenomenal young man. So that a tremendous cultural revival did come from this corner of the country, as we all know. Indeed it did, and uh, a cultural in, I think, the widest sense, because it was a revival not just of what we might think of as a high culture of the arts, but also a conscious interest in industry and craftsmanship in, in, in fact, all the arts of civilization. And uh, what a pity that it all went a bit sour, you know. In, in yes, it does strike one that a countryside that looks so beautiful, so... And doesn't it look beautiful? You might say pastoral, yes. an English pastoral, yes, this country does, should have had such uh, tragedy marked all over it and such mis misunderstanding over so many years. You know, green and pleasant land indeed, isn't it, around here? It is. It is and, uh, I don't altogether agree with Ben saying uh, English... Uh, Pastoral in an English sense, because pastoral in an English sense now is just something you find in novels, because large parts of England have been put over to industrialised farming, but here you see small farms still, as you would see in any part of Ireland, and with uh, the hedgerows and trees dividing fields, and I'm sure that the names of fields are still preserved up here. But now we're coming into where, uh, Sean? We're approaching Hillsborough. The, oh yes, the town, uh, a, a really uh, Ulster town, Hillsborough. The um, Ulster in one tradition. Ulster in one tradition, in the uh, plantation tradition. It is, of course, the home of the governor of Northern Ireland, uh, present seat. But the uh, town was founded by the Hill family, by one Will Hill or Will's Hill, the first Marcus of Downshire the famous first Marcus of Downshire, who was uh, the Secretary of State for the American colonies, who was probably more responsible for American independence than anything else. Benjamin Franklin described him, he said, his character is conceit, wrong-headedness, obstinacy and passion. Yes. And it was uh, for him that the mansion here was built, and also for him the, uh, the church, the very fine Planters Gothic church in a right. The courthouse and market house, which is, you see is being restored, yes. is a very pleasant feature of the town. You see the guard houses outside the governor's palace. It's, it has got that sort of miniature Windsor look about yes, it. Yes. The old fort built by Sir Arthur Hill up there, a 17th century fort, to encourage the plantation, he said. So there's a whole sort of plantation 
tradition, really, this is a kind of a museum of the plantation, if you like. Yes, isn't it? It, yeah. it really is the very, the very, the very vibrant texture yeah. of what we think of when we talk about plantation yeah. Ulster, yes. Um, and also, Sean, we are so close here to the maze race course, and it does raise an interesting point that um, you never much think of the north as a place for great uh, horse race meetings. You know, and the maze is one that has a long tradition behind it and still flourishes, as far as I know, very actively. Oh, it does, yes. There are, there are just two race meetings in the north of Ireland. It does say something for the character of the people. I mean, if you drew a line from Sligo to Drogheda, there are two race meetings north of it. And I wouldn't like to think how many there are south of it. This is my country. If my people came from England here four centuries ago, the only trace that's left is in my name. Kilmore, Armagh, no other sod can show the weathered stone of our first burying. Born in Belfast, which drew the landless in, that river straddling hill rimmed town, I cling to the inflections of my origin. Though Crete crazed zealots and the ignorant crowd long nurtured, never checked, and ways of hit, have made our streets a byword of offence. This is my country never disavowed. When it is fouled, shall I not remonstrate. My heritage is not their violence. John Hewitt's poem, An Ulster Man, I think appropriate, as spoken by Ben Kiley, as we come along the M1 here into our second city, Belfast, Belfarishte, the mouth of the river bank, the sand bank, around which grew a great city, as I say, Ireland's second city. Yeah. Uh, Belfast, like the beloved in the Song of Songs, is black but beautiful. Of course, now we say black is beautiful. Well, I wouldn't go quite that far about Belfast, much as I like it. Well, one of the most ex unexpected things about Belfast is its short history. In 1600, when every other city in Ireland was well established, Belfast simply wasn't there. It was only founded in 1610 by Arthur Chichester, the Lord Deputy. It was a huddle of brick and wooden houses around the mouth of the Farset River that Sean McRaven has just described, Bale Ferish there. And for a century afterwards, it was just a garrison centre and a market town for the Lagan Valley. It was the Huguenot refugees who came to Ulster in 1689 at King William's invitation brought with them the improved methods of linen manufacture. Louis Cromelon was the leader, and with him he brought 75 French families who set up their looms in Belfast. And most of the Belfast product was brown on bleached linen. And later in the 18th century, the Belfast people went after Dublin's monopoly of the white, the more valuable white linen, setting up the white linen hall on the site of the present city hall. Well, indeed, uh, there I think very succinctly the growth of the city, which is today, uh, while it has much about it that is black, dour, grim, much of it as we know is very much like a parody of the of the English industrial town and indeed as we come into it now just at the end of the motorway it looks the skies are dark and it does look faintly forbidding but inside there's a great heart about it and a great warmth and a great homeliness I've often found for good or ill 
It's a very Irish city. I mean, it is in no sense sentimentalizing to call it that. You, anybody realize this? I'd recommend to anybody who has any doubts about this to read uh, Brendan O'Buchlis brilliant little book, Ben Ferish to Kush Cohen, which I think should be required reading for everybody in the Republic of Ireland or anybody outside of the city of Belfast who doesn't know what Belfast is. It is, in fact, still closer to the fields and to the concept of a big country town that never developed the urban airs and graces that slightly separate Dublin from the rest of the country. Not that, of course, not that it hasn't developed the more formal types of culture. I mean, there has been a vigorous theatre life here, of course. Yeah, there's very vigorous theatre life. uh, Very good. The Lyric Theatre on the group theatre. And this uh, is, uh, its cultural life is of long vintage. After all, in 1792, there was the Great Hop Festival here, uh, which was in the oh, assembly indeed. rooms well, of we, the old exchange. We talked about that, I think, when we were going to call rain. That's yes. strum, strum, and be hanged to you. Yeah. By the way, we're coming in now past one of the... Uh, we're past, yes? Uh, in that building there, I did an examination for the British Civil Service once. That's a long story. But it is the assembly buildings of the, Presby- man, uh, the Presbyterian Church in Ireland, Fisherwick yeah. Place. Very impressive building, but a little gloomy. Here we have many of the schools instant camera. Yes, outside. there to our left is one of Belfast's unfinished Georgian experiments, Soane's, Sir John Soane's Academical Institution. It was intended to be a full Georgian square, ah. but it never finished. This has happened many of Belfast's Georgian things were sort of putative in this way. And I think as we were passing down there by the uh, by the station, by the railway station, that splendid pub, um, and this is the Crown advertising the Wine Crown. Company. Yeah, the Crown, which I think you know, uh, even every teetotaler should be encouraged to visit because it is it's it's a kind of. It uh, found its way into the movies. You remember? Of course, it did. In Odd Man Out, yes, yes, one of uh, one of uh, one of two or three very. Very memorable pubs in Belfast, memorable not just for the company but for the shape, the way they've preserved what an old fashioned pub should be and what still it can be. And now here we are at, in fact, the City Hall and with the inevitable bit of a traffic hold up here. Um, it's um, the, the, the business heart of the city, of course, as well as the administrative heart. Um, Stormont is out a bit, isn't it? It is out a bit outside the town. We're just passing there the the library, the famous Linen Hall Library of Belfast, founded in 1788 by the Belfast Society for Promoting of Knowledge, of which Thomas Russell, the United Irishman, was the first librarian. The man from God knows where. Indeed. Uh, In fact, uh, again, one thinks of the library as one does of the theatres, one thinks of this growth, uh, as you said, the Harp Festival yeah. and so on. There's been a continuing cultural tradition well, here. Look, yes. This little section here, it looks ah, it comes yes. out of a Dublin square, Doesn't Chichester Street, and yeah. that is Charlie Brett's office, the man who knows more about Belfast building, and an excellent man indeed. His book on Belfast is required reading. I quite agree. I would I would, I would, uh, say that he and uh, and uh, Brendan O'Buchan and I would supplement each other. And talking about books that are required reading, it <laughs> reminds me, of course, of Morris Craig's Miles Craig, who wrote the book on, uh, you know, Dublin, 1762, what is it, 1660 to 86, but who made the poem... The Great Prayer about Belfast. Yes. So to hell with the future and think on the past, may the Lord in his mercy be kind to Belfast. A great poem. A great Mm. poem, and it must be remembered, as Morris is the first to point out, that the line, the Lord in his mercy be kind to Belfast, came from a source which was not in the least ironic. It came from a genuine prayer for the people of Belfast who were kind to the prisoner as he passed and the prisoner was Thomas Russell and it's from a, a street ballad about that that, uh, that uh, Morris Craig took the line which he made into his poem
Now, where are we exactly? We're approaching the Albert Clock, one of Belfast's monuments, uh, almost at the docks, and this clock was designed by W.J. Barr of Newry, the first Gothic Revival architect I of knew we'd come back to it, yes. <laughs> That's the, the coda. Yes, indeed. The, um, and who's young fellow standing up beside it? Is it the Prince Albert statue there? Oh, that's Prince Albert. Albert. Oh, dear, dear. Yeah, yeah. That's the Albert Bridge over there. That's, of course. Mr. Barr is not to be confused with the Barr of Finton. And no, 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 the Barn of our man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we're approaching the dock area, of course. Okay, yes. Just Before. on the right here is Sir Char Charles Lanyon's Custom House, a rather impressive Renaissance-style building with an interior someone has described as in the Moby Dick style. <laughs> the, steps, uh, the steps of the Custom House were the, the sort of Hyde Park of Belfast. Oh, yes. May still be for steps, um, religious we speakers. We shouldn't religious forget the shipbuilding here as we're going oh, to the Oh, well, indeed. How could we, how, how, how could we forget it? Yes, yes. indeed. Well, <coughs> well, we'll be able to see all that from, as it were, as uh, Sean here was saying, from another angle. Once we're on the good And there she is, her noble prow stuck up against the dock here. And we will in a moment drive on board uh, on the second section of our road to Glasgow. safe and sound on the good ship Lion, and here we've met, as promised, Hamish Henderson. Fadjero, Hamish. Oh, Well, uh, Hamish, uh, we're delighted to have you with us, and we'll be hearing from you later on. Uh, for the moment, uh, Benedict Kiley, Michael Ahern, Sean White, and myself are taking a last look at Belfast on which we hope the Lord in his mercy is being kind. The weather has lifted a bit, and Belfast flock is not looking quite as as forbidding as it was when we were getting on the when we were coming on board. Now um, there is a fair. We are moving. I'm very bad at a sense of direction. What direction are we going in now? Have we taken our full course yet? We're, we're moving up the river at the moment, roughly northeast. Mm -hmm. uh, we're keeping near the county down shore. We're just moving out of the area of the great Belfast shipyards. The gantries are just behind us with the uh, skeletons of large ships, tankers, huge, that particular part of Belfast, Ballymacarrot and the Queen's Island area. Mm. Very much, of course, still in the feeling of the shipyards, very much the feeling of Belfast as the port. But Belfast lock, of course, as such, predates the port of Belfast. Well, we're in the estuary, of course, of the Farset River, and the two big points, Cave Hill on our right, shrouded in mist at the moment, and the soft green hills of Craig Gavin on our left, where stands the Parliament House of Stormont. Yes, some of us may like to think of Craig Gavin, some of us may prefer to think of Cave Hill with its great traditions, um, and Ben Mavagain, as yes. it's called in the Irish. We must remember uh, Samuel Nielsen. Thomas Russell, Henry Joy McCracken, and an almost forgotten man, Henry Spears, meeting there and promising in MacArts Fort uh, that they would never rest until Ireland was ultimately free. Yes, that's pretty well where it began, where that's the North where began, began the whole thing. 
uh, and it's still, I think, very much a, it's not, I think, a place that is honoured as much by people in what we laughingly call the South as much as it should be, you know? No, I don't think it is at all a place of pilgrimage by any means, not for the, well, some of the people in Belfast do go up there quite regularly to visit MacArts Fort. Um, Craig Avon, of course, has become more interesting now, and, and considering that the big meeting was held there in 1911, that really spurred off the opposition to Home Rule. I wonder if the men at the time had any uh, idea of the sense of place in, you might say, holding their meeting just exactly opposite MacArts Fort, across yes. the water. As a, as, a, as, you know, as a real counterpoint, yes. Well, a lot of people go up to uh, Cave Hill not to see MacArts Fort, but to see the zoo. The zoo of Belfast is up there, and so is uh, Belfast Castle. Just we're now passing on our right on the county down shore, the pleasant little town of Hollywood. Arthic Nazca. Right. Nasca, Where yes. St. Lazarian, the Leinster saint, the patrician saint, founded a monastery in the 7th century, and there, there's no remains of that monastery, but there is, in the middle of the town, actually we can see it from here, a nice little medieval church. It was a church of Franciscan tertiaries yes. that still remains. Hollywood, of course, is also a, it's a resort, holiday resort, a famous golfing centre and a suburban dormitory suburb of Belfast. And of course then Bangor further on, isn't that right? Isn't it? You know, isn't it? Yes, Bangor, it's, well, the, all this coast along, really, we have quite a number of places we'll be passing We'll see as we go along. Yeah, you said Ardvignask. In fact, there was an older name for the town, which was Baladire, the town of the oak tree. Ah. And then but it became Holywood, yes. or Sanctus. And now this has become uh, changed into well, Hollywood. And well, I don't know when Magnaska came in, but I know about, if you're going to call it Balandere, you're adding to the already confused state of my mind on and adding to the 57 balanderas that already seem to exist all over the place. Curiously enough, just the other evening on a television program um, about uh, a schooner, an old um, analogue schooner that has been, uh, been recently bought by the Ulster Folk Museum, which is over here on the shore, um, or slightly off the shore, uh, there was an old ballad used in the program that referred to sailing into the land and the snow white on Ballanderry, which is obviously not any of the inland Ballanderries, you know, and is clearly the... Uh, so it must be Hollywood. Yes, Hollywood. That's meaning very interesting. It is. A ballad I never heard before until I heard this program, which was done by the other evening by Michael Duffy. Oh, yes. On We're now just uh, abreast of Coltra, Coltra Manor. Uh, Dominic, uh, uh, Michael, there referred to the uh, folk museum. I think this is something that uh, is worth passing a minute on because it's something we badly need in the south of Ireland. Uh, the Northern Ireland has given us a wonderful example in setting up uh, the first out-of-doors uh, folk museum in this country where actual country cottages, country crafts are displayed and such things as uh, uh, flax mills, complete mills, cottages brought from various parts of Northern Ireland. House types are on display there. George Thompson, the curator, is an excellent guide to the place, and it is something very well worth visiting. Anybody in the Belfast area, Coltra is uh, very honourable in that it covers both the Gaelic and the planter traditions of Ulster. You can actually see spades being made there, according to an, in an old craftsman way, and buy them. And if they've even gone so far now as to buy one of the old analog schooners. The schooner, in fact, that was used for the filming of Conrad's Outcast of the Islands. Once again, this was all mentioned by Michael Duffy. I suppose the schooner will be pulled in along the shore there, somewhere to be in the vicinity of the, of the museum. Yes. It's a very famous old vessel, built 
on this coast away, way back a long time and has endured all sorts of fortunes. Now, I was going to say, Sean, you were pointing there menacingly at the map. Uh, well, uh, I don't think we should neglect the other shore either. No, indeed. And we are coming. We're abreast of Green Island now, and before long we will be in sight of Carrickfergus. Yes. Which, of course, is uh, one of the ancient towns of Ulster, the town of De Corsi, and uh, uh, has one of Ireland's greatest castles there, Carrickfergus Castle, and also is associated with a great poet, great radio man, who was a friend of all of ours, Louis McNeese. And you know, of course, that uh, King William landed there, and they had a pageant, wasn't it, some time back at Carrickfergus, when uh, the King William of the pageant was about to step off the boat onto the shore, and the boat tilted, and King William stepped, well, not exactly stepped, but sat down in Carrickfergus Harbour, which shows you what happens. Pageants. The French also were there and captured the town in 1760, and an American sailor, almost unknown in these parts, John Paul Jones, was here and made a bit of a fuss in character. Did he give his name to the dance, the Paul Jones? I suppose he did. He did, actually, yeah. yes. Well, uh, Carrick Fergus then was a city when, as they say, Belfast was hardly in it at all. So I think this is the obvious place for us to take a break and in what more obvious way than to hear that splendid bilingual ballad. I wish I had you in to that, there is no shortage of boatmen or ferries to bring us out of Belfast Lock and up the 4th of Clyde till next week then, when we ask you to join Hamish Henderson and the rest of us, Slán Groshev. <laughs>